0: This is the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, 103.7 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Making his way to the podcasting ring, hailing from the heart of Cajun country. It's me. It's me. It's the world famous CD. Let's ring the bell and get this party started off right. And welcome everyone to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, 103.7 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Episode number eighty. Can't believe we're already to this point. And first off, let me apologize. I've been meaning to put together some new episodes over the last couple of weeks. Things have happened. Your life gets in the way sometimes. But I think we're starting to get into a groove again. And more importantly, we are getting on the road to WrestleMania. So what better time than now to get the Cajun Strong Style podcast started off with what happened with Royal Rumble 2022? This is being taped on a Sunday the night after the royal rumble which was weird first off the fact that it was on a saturday it was on a saturday it was a little strange but i didn't hate it because honestly championship sunday coming up in the nfl at the time of this taping i think this is a perfect situation so we're going to go ahead and get right down to the nitty-gritty about the royal rumble 2022 and honestly It was a fine card. There are a lot of complaints that I've been seeing on our Twitter sphere. You can follow us at Cajun strong pod on Twitter. Also follow us on Facebook. Just search for Cajun strong style. Because we put out a poll after every single pay-per-view. We might get into more as now that we're in the road to WrestleMania. We're going to watch more of raw occasionally Smackdown. But. We put up a poll after every pay-per-view, be it WWE, AEW, or even GCW. Last weekend, GCW World was a fantastic show, but it fell a little short of the expectations. This one was clearly a lot more hated. And it's not often we get a clear cut, like, we hate this show, boo, tomato, tomato, tomato thing. No, we get straight up nothing but hate, clearly. Clearly. And this is the latest poll results with 12 hours left at the time of this taping for you to get your votes in a Cajun strong pod. People voted 73% thumbs down. I think this was by far the biggest margin of thumbs down I've seen since we started doing this podcast in June of 2020. And honestly, I'm more in the thumbs in the middle crowd. I was more impressed to see the people out there voting on the match of the night because I put out three choices because there wasn't anything that really stood out to me as being outstanding, like a banger of a match. That was a five-star classic. Like I've seen on half of every other show, AEW had a five-star match this week with Sammy Guevara versus Cody Rhodes for the TNT championship. A lot of it just felt kind of eh. There were moments, and I'm going to get to one of those in the opener, where it could have been a great four to four and a half Links and Boudin type match. But it didn't hit that next level, it didn't hit that second gear, if you will. And that was the opener. That was the biggest one that stood out to me. The women's rumble got overwhelming match of the night 90%, not even a single person liked the men's rumble. And I understand why. It's more about the finish. That's why a lot of people were absolutely taken aback and were shocked and appalled by what happened there. But again, I understand where they're coming from. I've got my thoughts on it. I'm going to go ahead and get to those right now about the Rumble 2022 that honestly was kind of underwhelming, to be quite honest with you, in a lot of different perspectives. So we start off with Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship had a way to start the show, get the crowd hot, get it going. And these two can put together a really good match. And the big story in this is the fact that Roman Reigns has never beaten Seth Rollins one-on-one in a big match. This was another example of telling a really good story. And again, it helps the fact that these two have such a great history and you're able to do a lot of these callbacks, something that the WWE doesn't do hardly at all. I think outside of Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns in the last decade, they have not done anything like this. It's been a long time since I've seen an angle where you're going back a decade and you're telling an entire story arc. There's a whole storyline going back 10 years, almost 10 years ago, when The Shield debuted, going back to that point and pulling it into modern perspective. You don't see it all that often. I can only think of a handful of times it's been done. Meanwhile, you got AEW, they're outright acknowledging past feuds on other promotions in their angle with the Undisputed Era. Now they're in AEW. They can't be called that, obviously. They haven't even announced what their name is, reportedly Paragon, but that's a different conversation, different promotion. But this was a match that I was honestly not that hyped about because it just felt like Roman Reigns was going to win and it was going to be a quick match. You kind of move on and you start to build everything up towards the big mania match because it just felt like a roadblock because of the fact that one Seth Rollins is, I think currently branded on raw. He shows up on SmackDown. I, I it, it was very confusing to me as somebody who doesn't watch as much of the weekly product as maybe he should. But last I checked, Rollins was on raw and all of a sudden he's competing for the SmackDown championship. I don't understand how all that happens. Maybe there was some behind the scenes trade that I don't know about, but this was a, really fine match first off i popped it like hell for the shield seth Rollins. now they kind of were alluding to this going back to the very beginning of this feud when seth Rollins just when he knocked on roman's door to the beat of the shield and they showed that in the video package and i love the fact that he did that came out through the crowd now mind you i think during covid times not necessarily the best look especially when you have a young child but you know that's seth rollins mo that's fantastic man's mo it worked really well and rollins absolutely dominated from the get-go he was getting all kinds of stuff in power bob roaming through the announce table which was impressive and again it's a callback to their previous feuds whenever rollins broke up the shield so there were so many callbacks to that and it's great because at the end of the day WWE needs to realize that when you bring back old feuds and you rehash them and they're still the same kind of core and you can go back to other storylines in the past, I think it works out really well and explains things a lot better. And then you can say, hey, you know, remember when this happened and go watch it on Peacock, go see the history of this feud, the history of this rivalry to really fully understand the brevity of it all. They did a great job with this. And the match was really good. And consider the fact that just about a month ago, Roman Reigns had COVID. And he was putting on a really good match. And he was just going at it. Roman at one point just was unloading with haymakers left, right, and sideways. He was put, again, this was a solid match on the show. At one point, you had Rollins hit the buckle bomb and the stomp for about 2.9, which was... I pop for it, like that, that's exactly what you needed to do. Reigns landed flush on a Superman punch with two for a two point five. Hits the spear on the outside. Tries to hit him with a second spear in the ring. Rollins counters with the pedigree. Rollins gets hits with another spear, and to a certain extent, I started to realize what they're trying to do. It's Roman Reigns is Batman while Rollins is the, is the Joker, and everybody kind of knew that because Roman R- Rollins has been wearing the purple, the green, so it, it's the joker motif but i think this more than ever shows that cuz if you've ever like read the comic books or played the video games or watched the movies joker and batman are always fighting against each other and basically he's almost begging him to hit him if you go watch the dark knight when you know heath ledger's out there hit me hit me like that's basically what that was and you saw roman just snap lock in the guillotine and I was thinking that they were going to do a hope spot, but Rumble was going to retain. They did not do that. And Seth hits his hand on the rope just before his hand hits the floor, which was a great, again, the hope spot works extremely well. But then Reigns holds on to it for a little too long and gets DQ'd. gets past the five count, matches over. I give this match a three links of booty match, a damn good match that ended in a weird way. It was a strange finish that at first I reacted I'm like I hate this cuz it just does nothing for me. I I just hate the fact when you have a DQ number one on a pay-per-view and number two for a title match, it it hurts cuz I think there needs to be a lot more loose rules cuz if you have a DQ it's a it's a cheap lazy way Of booking another match for the next pay per view, you need to have a clear and decisive winner on these things. I just can't stand, especially WWE loves to do this. AEW hasn't done this ever, and you notice they have a lot more of a loose rule about DQs, and that's the way it needs to be. Not this whole let's go ahead and do a DQ just to run this back next month so we can kill a little bit of time between now. And WrestleMania, which we'll get to in a little bit, the way they already are starting to build WrestleMania for both men's and women's side. And again, I understand building a credible challenger down the road because at the end of the day, Brock Lesnar ain't beaten Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. That's not going to happen. They already have kind of pushed this whole thing forward and Brock is going to lose to Roman Reigns and then we move on. There needs to be somebody that can actually beat him. And I think at the end of the day, if they want to move Seth Rollins to SmackDown, fine. This would be the perfect way to do it and the perfect guy to probably end his reign because he's the only one that's actually been able to, in the sense of win-loss records, beat him. Beat him by disqualification, yes, but he's the only one that's been beating him in like 700-plus days. In a 1v1 match for a championship. That's an impressive statistic. And Roman's been in the middle of a phenomenal. Universal championship reign, One of the best ever. And mind you that's not really saying much. Because half of them were Brock Lesnar's. And he barely defended the title half the time. But it was probably the single weakest moment. In the reign of Roman. And it's nowhere near the reign of terror people. That was definitely. It's been a great. Rain because of the fact that you've established him as truly being the guy. And Roman has kind of felt himself for a while, like the last year plus since returning in the middle of the pandemic, this gimmick was exactly what he should have been. Not long after the fans started to turn on him, but they didn't. And I think this is the perfect time to do it. A lot like what happened with the rock. When the rock got injured, he came back with a different edge and he came in as a more of a bad guy. And he was able to embrace himself and turn himself up even more to 11. That's how you get people in the door. Go back and watch several different matches over the years of guys like The Rock, Austin. Whenever you have a star that that is able to turn it up to 11, you wind up getting things to another level. I think Seth Rollins could win at another pay-per-view down the road, be it Money in the Bank or SummerSlam. I think SummerSlam would be the best case scenario where Rollins gets that opportunity at SummerSlam, wins it, and we could probably see a longer feud between the two, and the matches are going to be fantastic. I'm hoping we don't get a circa 2009 Cena-Orton situation where it's you get the title, you get the title, you get the title type stuff. It's still decent, but it could have been a lot better of a match overall. It ended on a little bit of a sour note overall just because I wanted it to be a lot longer of a match all right let's get into the women's royal rumble match and this was something i was looking forward to because of the fact that they were already kind of spoiling what was going to happen the wrestling observer brought something up and we'll get to that a little bit later but i was intrigued because there were so many mysteries about how the show was going to go in terms of who was going in or Sasha Banks, she returned the night before on SmackDown, announcing she was going to be part of it. She was out there cosplaying as Sailor Moon, which was really cool. Good shout-out. And she was back for the first time since she got injured. I believe it was her foot a few weeks ago. That was amazing in and of itself. The fact that she was actually be going to be able to be back in the match and, more importantly, wrestle for as long as she did. I don't think it was Iron Woman status. I haven't looked at the bell-to-bell times. But she was in there for a good, like, two-thirds of the match. The second entrant, blown away by this, Melina, number two, currently part of the National Wrestling Alliance, more on the indie scene. She shows up. I pop for it. The old music and everything, the Eminem entrance. She does the split. People pop for it like crazy. She doesn't last too long as Banks quickly throws her out. Looks like she had slipped up maybe a botched elimination, but... It is what it is. A really good start, and it helps kick off things for the former SmackDown Women's Champion. felt like you were going to see an angle where she just throws a bunch of people out, a la CM Punk, about a decade ago. when he started cutting promos, but no, you wind up seeing Tamita come out next, and Banks takes the fight straight to her before she even gets in the ring. Kelly Kelly comes out fourth, plays the hits, and gets eliminated after trying to hook a modified tarantula. She lands flat on her face. It wasn't nearly as bad as when Kayantai, I believe it was Taka, got thrown out where he just landed like flat on his face and it just looked like he damn near died. That was a bad bump, but this one was still like it seemed safer than you think. Aliyah comes out next in number five. She brings it immediately to Sasha Banks. She almost pulled off the big upset, tossing over the former SmackDown Women's Champ, but couldn't quite get it done. Liv Morgan comes out next at 6, nearly eliminates Sasha before Tamina breaks it up. And this is something that I think is just a nitpick of mine that I'm noticing more and more, is why do you have people break up elimination spots? It's not like it's a every man and woman for herself match. It's not a tag team Royal Rumble. No, it's a straight up Royal Rumble, every man or woman for themselves. Why are you breaking up eliminations unless you want to get eliminations on your own but it's like it's very convoluted the way that thing goes but Liv Morgan comes out she gets some stuff done nearly eliminates Sasha and then Sasha it's the three amigos on Aaliyah before Queen Zelina comes out seventh and I just have to say this and again this is a nitpick of mine and I'm starting to notice it because I am not a like loyal weekly viewer of Monday Raw SmackDown NXT 2.0 as much anymore because you know life gets in the way sometimes and I'm just I and one of the other things is I just try and not watch as much of the regular programming and get increasingly frustrated week in and week out like dur- since uh, the show had been on a hiatus in like late October early November I largely stopped watching the product and when I go back in. I literally don't know who the hell is coming out. It's the music sounds exactly the same for a lot of these people. Queen Selena, I'm like, who the hell is this? All hail the queen. I was like, did they have a new entrance for Charlotte? No, it's just a bad thing to have. Because if you don't know who it is, how can you get a reaction? I'm going to talk about that more later with one of their up and coming stars that they have been trying to hype up over the last several weeks on Raw. But I'll get to that. This was something that I got really frustrated with. She comes out, really just puts on a great show. Queen Zelina eliminates Banks and then draws nuclear heat. Really surprising to see her get eliminated before the entrance got to the double-digit mark. Bianca gets to be coming out. Bianca's out at the Bianca is out as the eighth entrant to a huge pop, looking to repeat as a rumble winner. Zelina starts cleaning house and almost eliminates Liv Morgan as she set up for a handspring moonsault, but really good job by Liv to hang on. Dana Brooke comes out ninth, and she goes straight for Alina and Queen Zelina before Tamina again breaks it up. I still don't understand that, how that works in a Rumble match and why that is a thing. It feels like it defies more logic than anything. Then we get to Michelle McCool. She comes out at 10th. Nearly eliminates Dana Brooke before Reggie safe day. McCool hit her stylist clash and caught a massive boot on Dana Brooke and she's out. Sonya Deville comes out during for the match at number 11, but she keeps the jacket on. And she mentioned this during the pre-show. If you watch the pre-show, she actually mentioned this, that when she wears the jacket, she's not a competitor. And when she takes it off, she is a competitor. There's, there's a big difference. And okay, I get it. She joins the commentary desk and she's waiting her turn. Natalia comes out at 12th. McCool eliminates Tamina and nearly gets Bel Air out as well, just gets a double elimination, which is always a really cool spot. It see Michelle McCool do that, great stuff. Cameron comes out at 13th. Whenever you heard somebody call my Mama, I popped. First off, because I'm a I was a big earnest the cat Miller Mark in WCW. And when he joined the WWE, I wish he had gotten a better opportunity, so I popped for that. And she doesn't last long, so DeVille comes out, and she's in and out in about under th- 60 seconds. Next up, of course, it's Naomi. To continue the angle with her and DeVille, and Naomi throws her out of the ring. Carmella comes out at th- 15th. Corey Graves loses his mind over his fiance coming out. Mella doesn't enter initially. Rhea Ripley jumps in at 16th. And goes after Carmella. Ripley eliminated both the women's tag team champions with a great looking dropkick. Charlotte Flair enters at 17th. Naomi gets her elimination hope spot, but Deville helps throw her out to again further their angle because they've been doing that a lot over the last few weeks on SmackDown. And then, probably one of my favorite moments of the night, right to censor Ivory at number 18. I hate it. Hated, it, hated, it, hated. It the right to censor angle in 2001 when I was a kid when I was like tw- when I was like 11 or 12 and I remember just hating that I remember wanting the host to be saved and the, the godfather not to be the good father anymore no we get right to censor ivory and I pop for it because it's like you just hear that warning warning and you hear that shrill siren it's like oh my god they actually did this she comes out full gear cuts a promo and while she's being power slammed is still cutting the promo And she gets thrown out the ring like five seconds later. Phenomenal spot. And it's perfect for Ivory. And she was so damn good talking about how these girls should be in the kitchen. It was so stupidly funny. And it was very much, oh, hey, let's go ahead and take Ivory from the 2001 and put her in 2022 where it's the exact opposite kind of feminism. It's the old, like, stereotypical male feminist thing. It was very confusing. But I pop for it nonetheless. Bremo comes on, and I, I have my buddy Dylan, he actually damn near had a stroke hearing that song. She enters at 19th, nearly got eliminated by Natalia. Then we get, I, again, one of my favorite parts of the night. Mickey James comes out. She was already announced. We talked about it a few weeks ago about the Forbidden Door maybe being jumping the shark. This was exactly what I wanted and more. The fact that Mickey came out. With the Hardcore Country Music and the Impact Knockouts Championship. That was unprecedented, uncharted waters. Michelle McCool goes right after Mickey before she even gets in the ring. A callback to their feud back in 2010. And James throws out McCool. Great moment. And it was actually the first ever wrestler from another company that was a champion in another company that eliminated somebody. That was a really cool... Very convoluted stat. It's a lot like when you hear about Tom Brady being the last active Montreal Expos draft pick retired. It's a very obscure bit of trivia, but it's still cool nonetheless. Nikki A.S.H. comes out 22nd. Before that, it was Alicia Fox. She looked great. She came out at 21st. She got her stuff in. Nikki A.S.H. tried to eliminate Ripley from behind, but nothing doing. Nikki rolls out under the ring to avoid being eliminated. I hate the fact that commentary keeps bringing that up as a thing. Summer Rae enters at 23rd in fun fact. She's actually getting part of her payday for that show in cryptocurrency, which is, again, it's a really cool thing. I don't necessarily understand all of crypto, but I like the fact they're doing that. Nikki rolls out under the ring to avoid being eliminated. And you see, Summary get into it with Natalia and gets her stuff in. She gets tossed out by Natalia, Nikki Bella at 24th with a short, like Bob haircut. I'd say more of a Karen Bella, not Nikki Bella. Maybe I'll call her that going forward when she shows up on television, Bella's throw out Fox, Sarah Logan's back in at 25. And that was great to see her. Didn't ever think she'd be back in the ring again. She's a new mother. Great to see her return to the ring. And, Help out her former Riot Squad member. The Bellows eliminated both of them. Lita comes out 26th. No time's up stuff this time. So I'm sure next time she shows up, they're actually going to run an angle with her. Lita runs out and throws out Biggie James with a rope assisted twist of fate. We get a showdown between Lita and Charlotte. They start chopping each other. Really great moment. Mighty Molly. She comes out at 27th and she got bum-rushed by Nikki A.S.H., and gets thrown out by her. Please, for the love of God, bring back the cinematic matches just for this. Mighty Molly, Nikki A.S.H., would be a great cinematic match. After all, there are they are two superheroes, and you can run an angle where it actually makes sense. I would love it. I think the fans would love it. i popped for it the second I heard the music, but she was gone within like 10 seconds. Ronda Rousey, the worst kept secret in wrestling, Comes back at twenty-eighth overall. And she immediately starts beating down everyone, eliminates Nikki ASH. Bree Bella gets eliminated by Nikki Bella. Shotzi's in at 29th. And immediately goes after everyone. Ronda throws out Nikki Bella. And now she's going after Rhea Ripley. Shayna Baszler out at number 30, and the two horsewomen team up on Ripley. Rousey throws out Shotzi. Bianca dumps out Natalia. Lita tries the lead assault. But Flair throws her out of the ring quickly. Ronda tries to toss Rhea, but she can't. And Flair dumps her out. And now Rousey gets thrown into the ring. So here's your final four. Final four is Belair, Baszler, Ronda, and Charlotte Flair. Flair throws both Baszler and Ronda out straight away. Excuse me. Throws out Belair and Baszler, I should say. So the final two is Flair and Rousey. And this is something I I feel like is missing from pro wrestling nowadays. It just doesn't hit nearly as well as it should. Because you go back to I'd say like ten years ago when it's the final two, it's usually a really good you know final sequence. You get to see some teases. This literally lasted ten seconds because Flair tries to go for the big boot, misses, and then you have Rousey throw her out and. Ronda gets the point of the sign again. And the sign actually melted. My God, I don't know how the hell that happened. The pyro wound up causing the sign to melt. Not once, but twice at the end of the show. So I think we're officially going to wind up retiring the pyro and pointing at the sign gimmick, at least for now. Until they can get some better materials to make their stuff. Because that was mind-blowing to say the least, to hear all of that. So we get to see Rousey win the Rumble. And the plan is, again, I'm going to refer to Uncle Dave here because at the end of the day, Uncle Dave had the news first that they already are going to plan on having this be the match at WrestleMania, Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. It feels like it's the right direction to go. Now, what they do with the Raw Women's Championship is anybody's guess. The rumor and innuendo there is that you have, you know, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, a rematch from SummerSlam, which would be a great moment, which would be a great moment, and maybe Becky finally loses, and we get to see a comeback story with Bianca Belair where she overcomes and gets her win back from Becky after the way the SummerSlam match went, because I think everybody wants to see that happen. Will it? I don't know. But this was a really solid match, great stories, fun surprises, and at the end of the day, people may not have liked the fact that we get Ronda Rousey back in the WWE. This was the right decision to make. Four links to booting, good match. And again, maybe it's biased because Royal Rumbles are always more fun. They get get a little bit more love for me than probably most of the matches on the card. Then we get to the Raw Women's Championship match of Becky Lynch defending against Dewdrop. And literally every time Dewdrop tried to get some momentum, Becky got out of the ring to start the match. Dewdrop tried to hit a cannonball of the steps, but Becky moves out of the way. It looks like Dewdrop sh- sells her knee. But you also see for a like a split second, when she does that, she almost lands like, like flat on her neck. And that was scary in and of itself. So we get some other good spots, solid match here. Dewdrop smushed Becky with a big senton. then Becky locked into disarmor, but Dewdrop kept transitioning out of it, which was really cool. Again, I, it showed a lot more technical wrestling than I expected. Then we get a power bomb out of the triangle choke for two. Lynch hit a big molly around for for a two count. Dewdrop nearly got the win with her version of the like a big ending or a rikishi driver call, it what you want but she goes for a big splash, basically a Vader bomb, not like the running Vader bomb version, but the OG or, I mean, it looked like she was set up to a certain extent to be like the Rikishi, like just bonsai drop, but Becky gets up and hits a second rope manhandle slam for the win was way shorter than I expected it to be. And it's a three links to match. Fine stuff. Told a good story. And had some entertaining spots in there. At the, end of the, at the end of the day. That's all I needed. From these two. Then we get to the dream match. That everybody was looking forward to. That honestly I would have put as the co-main event. Not the Ms. Maurice match. Which we'll talk about later. Which was good. But it just felt like to a certain extent. This show was booked. Like largely wrong. I probably would have put. I would have agreed with the. Universal Championship being your opener. Women's Royal Rumble, good as your second spot. But I would have probably flip-flopped some things around to where this is the co-main event and maybe make the Edge-Beth-Maurice-Miz match be, bef- be after the Women's Rumble. I-, I don't know. There's something that you could have done better in terms of booking the show. It felt haphazardly, if you will, in terms of like the order of things. Good feeling out process early on between the two monsters. And again, it's spamming your heavy grapples. Great looking German suplex on Lesnar from Lashley. Brock Lock then a pair of Germans himself. He tees the F5. Lashley counters with two straight spears. I presume this is one of those. Let's go ahead and spam all our finishers match. And again, I love those. This was a short match, short, sweet to the point, but some really good, like just classic these two guys are monsters. Let's go ahead and put these two just bring the wood all the time. You see Bobby try to hit Lesnar into the barricade. Lesnar moves out of the way and Lashley just goes straight through. Then he gets up like two seconds later, which defeats the purpose. But again, it makes sense considering the fact that these two are absolute monsters. So we get to see that happen. Lashley pushes Brock into the ring post. Then Lesnar starts fighting back, hits. Another German, another, another, another. Felt like DJ Khaled. Another one. Lashley locks in the hurt lock. It looks to have the match won, but the ref gets bumped in the crossfire briefly. Now, it's not like he got knocked out. Lashley tries it again, but Brock counters with the F5. And when Brock throws Lashley around for the F5, the ref gets hit. He is absolutely knocked out. Then Rumble Reigns pops up, hits a massive spear. Then stares down Paul Heyman and takes the WWE title from him and bashes Lesnar over the head with him. And now Bobby Lashley, Big Bob, he's the WWE champion once again, which is phenomenal because his reign was really freaking good and it deserves a lot more love. He's now a two-time, two-time WWE champion. And I love the fact they're actually going to give him another run because he hasn't necessarily been like built as a top star in the WWE as maybe he would have been like 10, 15 years ago when he started, where he was just pushed to the moon. But they're pushing him the right way. And now he seems to be a baby face, but also a baby face that can kick your bleeping ass, a lot like what we're seeing with, you know, Drew McIntyre. But now you kind of wonder what happens, what's happening with Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns, and Brock. Is Paul Heyman really aligned with Roman? Is he still aligned with Brock? One of, how is that angle going to work? Because again, Paul Heyman has done this in the past. He's absolutely done this. Go back to 2002. Brock Lesnar got turned on by Heyman at Survivor Series. Then... Heyman turned on Big Show to join with Kurt Angle. Then he turned on Kurt Angle to join with Brock Lesnar. Very much, you know, a guy who just spins around a wheel. I'm intrigued to see what happens next. And of course, it's all going to set up towards the WrestleMania match. Kind of your de facto main event of the show. Probably going to be your night two main event. I don't know what night one is going to be. Probably Rousey versus Flair. Who knows how all that is indeed going to go. Because it feels like the road to WrestleMania is going to have some interesting bumps in the road. At least from my point of view. Now we get to Edge and Beth Phoenix taking on Miz and Maurice, And Beth Phoenix, first off, her hair is absolutely out of control. Like, it belongs in a Mad Max movie. feels like she took John Morrison's hair or Johnny Retro, call him what you want his hair and just add it on to hers. Maurice and Phoenix start off the match. Maurice runs out of the ring being a good heel then tags in the Miz. So it's Miz and edge. These two go at it for a good while. Miz hits the it kicks. Miz edge ducks the big kick, but Miz does get a quick penitent on the veteran. Edge fights back. Gets the rally, gives Beth the hot tag and immediately she goes to town on Maurice taking liberties, at this point, and it was wild to see how much how one sided it was. Miz got his wife out of trouble. Then he, he gets a stare down with Beth and Miz. She starts stomping a mud hole on Miz in the middle of the chaos. Maurice hits her with the purse, but it only gets a two count. So apparently didn't have the brick in it. Beth teased the glam slam and but Maurice gets out of it. We get a nice double down clothesline. Edge, house of fire here. Edge of Matic for two. Phoenix at one point power bombs Miz. Edge follows up with a top rope elbow drop for about two and a half. Edge tries to spear Miz but misses. Maurice hit a beautiful like. First off, Maurice was never really that good of a wrestler, but God, they crushed it here with a big old hurricane rana. Miz hits the skull crushing finale. They try to hit a double skull crushing finale on Edge. Beth stops it. Now we get a double spear. And a stereo glam slam for the win for Link Sabuna. This was way better than it had any business being. Really fun finish. This was the match, the only match of the night that felt right. It felt like the feud and everything reached just a logical conclusion, and the fans were happy. It's not like a five-star match, but it was still highly, highly entertaining. Now we get to the men's Royal Rumble match. The most controversial part of the show, and a lot of people probably put this as a thumbs down largely because of this match, and not a single person voted this as the best match of the night. Personally, I think the women's Royal Rumble was the best one. The mixed tag was a very close second. So we get AJ Styles drawing the dubious number one spot, and big surprise, Shinsuke Nakamura comes out second no books, not yet, but great callback to WrestleMania 34. Their match after Shinsuke won the 2018 Rumble. Perfect way to start the match. These two brought it opening salvo. Then we get to what I was talking about earlier with generic WWE themes. Austin Theory comes out third. This is a guy that you've been building up for the better part of like two or three months. Him hanging out with Vince McMahon and kind of being treated as the quote-unquote chosen one. He comes out to his music, no reaction. Nobody knows who he is. It The theme music doesn't hit as well. Like again, it's a Pavlovian dog response. When you hear a certain song or certain entrance music, you know that it's this person, I'm going to pop. AJ Styles, you know it, You hear it, you're going to pop. Edge's music, you hear it, you're going to pop. It's how wrestling is. You didn't have music that makes you either pop or boo. Like you need to have a way to where like immediately you hear that music, you pop going back to what I was talking about. The women's rumble. They know how to do that perfectly with ivory, with Michelle McCool, all those old entrances. It got people popping hardcore country got the biggest pop of the night. Bob rude enters at number four. And they get a big TNA chant with Styles and Rude locking horns. And it reminded me how big of a market St. Louis was. I believe they had a lockdown 2008 over there in St. Louis. But it was really cool. Rude gets thrown out almost immediately, not long after. by AJ Styles really shows how much Bob Rude is not great in WWE. His state is far from glorious. Rich Holland comes out fifth. He immediately batters Theory. I kind of forgot that he broke his face at day one. He's been running a angle with a face mask. Shinsuke is thrown out by Styles surprisingly early. Holland slows the fight down. Montez Ford comes out sixth. Then Damian Priest enters seventh. Immediately goes after Theory. Immediately goes after Styles. I should say Priest goes there. Theory butts into the conversation. Sami Zayn enters number eight and is not good interest music. Again, speaks to the fact of what I was talking about with like good entrance music that makes you pop immediately. Like, it has, the, Oh, but then it goes into something else entirely to where it just, it, it kind of sucks the life out of you. Then we hear, we hear the jackass music. Johnny Knoxville comes out entering the rumble, looking like King Bob from recess. And I absolutely loved this. He gets decked by styles hit with the frog splash and Zane actually got the elimination hitting Knoxville with the Huluva kick. Oof. That was awesome. Then styles throws Zane out after that. Angelo Dawkins flies in at 10th. Omos comes out at 11th and absolutely yeets the street profits. Like no other, I was like blown away at how quickly Those two got thrown out. Theory was his next victim and then threw styles into the ring post. It was almost like when you watch the winter Olympics are coming up. So it felt like AJ Styles got thrown out there like he was the curling ball or whatever they call it. I can't think of what they call it now, but you know what I'm talking about. You've you've seen curling where they push the, the puck, I guess, out there and then things slides. That's what it looked like to me. Anyways, Ricochet comes out next. Hits a dropkick that barely hurts Omos. And then Chad Gable enters the match. And gets everyone in, in on the strategy to throw out Omos. Priest tossed out next by Omos. that everyone tries to tip over the big man. But it took the entire group of guys and a phenomenal forearm from AJ to take him out. Dominic out at number 14. Then Happy Corbin comes out at 15th. Ricochet gets tossed out by the Happy Man after an impressive drop salt. Again, he just deserves so much better. Just in my mind, really fun stuff here. Then we get styles tossed out Ridge in front of his tag partner. When Sheamus entered the ring at 17th, then we get to Boogs absolutely love when Boogs shows up and he looks insane. Like it's really Jack Freddie Mercury. It's wild to see him look like that, but honestly it works him and, he get he tries to dump out Ziggler, couldn't get it done. Corbin and Moss eliminate Styles after a big chokeslam. And I was impressed to see Boogs, the way he has that strength. He winds up like one arm pressing Gable out of the ring. So we get Boogs. He gets thrown out by Hat Moss and Corbin after Riddle comes out at 20th. Drew McIntyre is back at 21. Great surprise there. He quickly dumps Corbin and Moss out, and we get to continue that feud. That should have ended at day one. Now we get to Kevin Owens entering at 22nd. He and McIntyre brawl on the ramp and get in the ring as we see Owens get his shine on. WWE 2K22 cover star Ray Mysterio enters at 23rd. Owens hit Mysterio with a quick stunner, and Ray sold that like a champ. He basically cut like a flip in it, and Rock The Rock would have been jealous at that oversell. Kofi comes out at 24th, tries his hope spot. Tries to land on the barricade, but his feet touch and he botched it. So RIP Kofi Kingston, because now that gimmick's done. Otis comes out at number 25. Then we get Big E at 26th. Bad Bunny comes out. He gets his big spots in and eliminated Sheamus with the low bridge. He had a freaking destroyer on your boy Riddle. Bunny got another, another elimination. Thanks to Rey Mysterio. Shane McMahon comes out at 28th. Big pop. And then Vassero gets dumped out by Otis. Shane O'Mac and Owens go at it to renew their rivalry. And again, great callback to that. Owens got tossed out by Shane O'Mac. McIntyre and Shane get into it. Randy Orton makes his way into the ring at 29th. Gets a massive pop in his hometown. Hits some RKO's. Then some RK-Bro spots. RK-Bro spots. They eliminate the big man Otis. Then we get to number 30. Brock enters at number 30, and Riddle absolutely is losing it. he They cut to him, and it's immediately, it's almost the Poggers' reaction. Like, if you've ever been on a Twitch chat and you see Pogchamps, that's exactly what that face looked like. He looked like the Poggers' face, and I love the fact they actually did that. Lesnar bumps out Orton. Bad Bunny takes an F5. He's out. Riddle's caught in midair. Brock dumps him out. He obliterates Shane O'Mac throws him out. Now it's down to McIntyre and Lesnar. Lesnar wins after throwing out McIntyre with an F5. This all goes down in the course of like five minutes. Another solid rumble. Four links in boot match, but it continues to speak to something that we all kind of know. We already knew how the WWE thinks about things. It's very much a reliance on part timers. You get two winners of the Royal rumble, that are probably going to main event nights one and two of WrestleMania. And they are people that are very much part-timers. The rumor is Rod Rousey is going to be on a two-year deal leading up to this year's WrestleMania and next year's WrestleMania, which is going to fight Becky Lynch one V one. Now you have those two, but at the end of the day, once they're done, what's next, who is going to be built up to be that next big star we are still waiting to see who could be in the next two to three years. The one that carries the the torch. Cause it feels like every 10 years in the early part of the decade, you find out who that next top guy is. Go back to 2002 Brock Lesnar, Batista, John Cena. Those are your big three Orton as well. Even though Orton really didn't come into his own until further down the road. Then you have 2012, all three members of the shield. Those were your mega stars and you built them up so well and so strong, especially Roman Reigns, who has been your top guy for the better part of a decade. You still had John Cena as a full-time guy, but now he's more of a part-time largely done with the pro wrestling business. How are you going to build your next star? I think there's at least one or two guys that are going to be a star for the next decade in the company, but that list is going to be very short. And it largely has to do with one guy, and that's Braun Breaker. That's your one guy that I think in the next two to three years is going to be a monster and a star and probably pushed to the moon and maybe wins a WrestleMania match not too far down the road. But when you think about all that, and you think about what happened at the Rumble. Who's the next top star? The Rumble always has a tendency to be very samey just the way the finish goes. And this was a prime, I mean prime example of, of just that. And I'm always leaning towards the side of, Hey, it was a good show, but this was thumbs in the middle. There was matches that the finishes for the title matches were kind of screwy and crap. And it, was the first show since WWE pay-per-views in the pandemic era or since they moved out of the Thunderdome. That wasn't good or great. And for those keeping score, it's a one and one. It's one good, one kind of meh. But it should feel like it's in a different order. The Royal Rumble should never be considered a meh pay-per-view. And Cage Match is speaking to that. It's one of the worst-rated ones of all time according to that, you know, fan list. I was blown away by how quickly people have turned on the show. Again, it was a good show that could have been a lot better, but it just didn't hit as well as it needed to. It's at the bottom. It's going to be probably at the bottom of the list of shows of the year. When I run that back here on the Cajun strong style podcast, If we're still running hard in 2023, but that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Cajun strong style podcast next week. I'll go ahead and let the cat out the bag next year. Next week. I'm doing the end of the year awards. We're doing the awards this time next week. match of the year wrestler of the year moment of the year, all that stuff, breakout stars, rookie of the year spoilers. AEW is going to win a lot of those awards for me personally. I can't wait to be here with you. Until then, enjoy the pro wrestling, whatever it is be it WWE, AEW, Impact, whatever. Make sure you enjoy it and don't be an ass about it, please.